One of my favorite quotes is, the only thing that gets smaller as you run toward it is fear. Welcome to The Creator State, where we share stories of social innovation and entrepreneurship for movers, shakers, creators, and changemakers. Each episode will celebrate success and failure, ingenuity, and the endless pursuit of knowledge. In this episode, we're talking with Heidi Marie Garrett Villa about how she is using her experiences as a competitive athlete, hair and makeup artist, and health coach to create new definitions of beauty. Tune in to hear Heidi explain how she is turning her competitors into a supportive community and why her biggest goal is to be able to give her services away for free. We'll also explore how social media is altering the creative process for artists. We're recording in the Goldware Library at the University of California, Riverside Alumni and Visitor Center. I'm your host, Recur Behinds. Welcome to the Creator State. I want to begin by asking you to talk just a little bit about what is your definition of beauty? All right, we're starting off strong right here. Are you sure we're back? <laughs> no, let's go. No, there. we're good. First off, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. My definition of beauty is that I don't have one because I don't think that you can really put beauty in or you can't define beauty by putting it in a box because to me, beauty can be anything from a space between your two front teeth, stretch marks after giving birth. Those things are, you know, what make you who you are, give you character based on some of your life experiences and um, all that. So. But to some people, that isn't beauty. And I think that beauty is constantly changing. And the definition from person to person is obviously different, too. But I guess for me, deep down, what beauty is to me, it goes beyond just kind of what a person looks like. Um, obviously, as a hair and makeup artist, I am working on the outside of a person with their hair, with their face and even sometimes with their body because you can contour, you can do all kinds of crazy things with, um, and you know, you're in, from a theater background, you know that you can do some really cool things to make a person become a character. Yes. But deep down, beauty represents who you are at the core based on how you love, how you treat other people and how honest you are and, and just your integrity. So, you know, you could change anything about how you look, but it shouldn't change who you are at the core. Very cool. You were an athlete when you were here at UCR. Mm -hmm. You played soccer. Talk to me about going from being an athlete to someone who now is working mm -hmm. with beauty and makeup, and then we'll get to um, weddings in a minute. Sure. So I would say that most people, maybe not so now because I've been out of college for a while, been out of sports for a while, um, but initially I think a lot of people were surprised that I went down the career path I chose. Um, because I think most athletes tend to graduate college and kind of, they become a coach or the, a physical trainer, you know, they do, some, or a sports caster, you know, they kind of stick to what they know. But I've always known hair and makeup. Ever since I was a little girl, on all my soccer teams, I was doing everyone's braids and ponytails and updos in between games at a tournament. Wow, so our, so, so our team looked better than the others. <laughs> Uh, yes, you could say so. <laughs> Sorry. I, anyway, yes. 
And even with hair coloring, I don't color hair now, but you know, with having, you know, 30 teammates, I had 30 willing wow. volunteers yes. who would let me kind of mess with their hair. So it's it might seem surprising that like, wow, this a division one athlete is now in the beauty industry. But that's in my opinion, who I've always been. It's always intrigued me just as much, if not more, than being an athlete because I learned how to braid when I was five. I always joke and say I make hair contact before eye contact with people. And so when you have something like that that's just a part of who you are, it, I would hope, becomes a natural um, future for you too. Yes. Hair contact, that's, yep. that's, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna make a note of, of hair contact. So let's talk about the transition or finishing up uh, at UCR and then transitioning into uh, the business that you are in now. Like, like to, and, and there are multiple facets to the business, but can you talk a little bit about that transition and what, what was it that um, made you say, okay, this is, this is the direction that I'm going in? Well, I knew once I graduated from UCR, I wanted to go to cosmetology school. So um, as soon as I graduated here, about six months later, um, I started the cosmetology program at RCC, Riverside Community College. So that was kind of the natural next step. And I remember being in one of my business classes with one of my favorite professors here on campus. And he took a poll in the middle of class and said, who's planning on going to grad school? And I didn't raise my hand. And I was one of the few people who didn't raise their hand. And so he looked at me point blank because I was a person who sat near or in the front of class because that's how I learned best. And he said, why aren't you going to grad school? And I said, because I'm going to go to cosmetology school. And I said it really proud because most people would think that that's maybe a step back versus a step forward. Mm. And because there's always been a, a stereotype attached to uh, being a cosmetologist. But anyways, I, when I said that, he said, well, that is your grad school, and that's great. Wow. So for me, it, it made it, it kind of validated my choice in going, not that I really needed that validation, but um, it just became the natural next step for me because I was continuing to pursue my dream, and I'm grateful to have been able to play soccer on a scholarship and get my degree and have that educational background in business because it has truly helped me in my career. A lot of times people go to cosmetology school maybe right out of high school. And you know that you think that you're gonna go and learn how to do hair and like, oh, this is so fun. <laughs> but we are our own business owners. Whether you work in a salon as a commission stylist and you're working for someone, you're still your own boss in a sense. So it's really important to know some, at least business 101 uh, skills, so. Very cool. Um, so, I read that one of the primary focuses of what you do are, are weddings. Can you talk a little bit about what it is about being involved on this day with someone's uh, life? And how does the role that you play become possibly more significant than just doing hair and makeup? So those are some pretty loaded questions. So be prepared for an <laughs> in-depth answer. <laughs> so. I did my first wedding when I was 17, maybe 16. I was in high school and one of my friends, her, my friend's boyfriend's mom was getting remarried and I 
leading up to that had been doing formal hairstyling for prom and you know all the school dances and back then because this is now you know 14 years ago or so not to age myself but you know this was back in high school like I said and in the wedding industry was very different back then most of the time people or brides would go to their regular hairstylist in the salon for an appointment and get their hair done now there is an entire segment of the industry, a niche within the beauty industry, specifically carved out for hair and makeup artists who can specialize in doing weddings and special events. Huh. So I kind of would say I was in the right place at the right time, um, some divine timing on yes. all of that. And the, by the time I was ready to really start my career, the doors had been just completely open, not just for myself, but for anyone who wanted to be in the wedding industry as a hair and makeup artist. So now brides are seeking out professionals who specialize in weddings because it really is such a different type of day than just going to the salon for a regular old hair appointment. Right. Not to downplay that because hair is so important. It's our crown. <laughs> but when you're working a wedding, it takes a certain caliber of customer service, of calmness, no matter how stressed and freaked out you are, um, you don't get to cancel. It's so important that you're finding someone who actually does weddings because they understand the significance of the role that they play for you on your wedding day. And specifically, a hair and makeup artist, if you think about it, we're spending the entire first half of the day with the bridal party before any other vendor comes into the, the hotel room or the venue or whatever, wherever we're getting ready. And so if you are a person who likes to talk about yourself, is drama, who is going, who's high anxiety, that those are the things you're gonna be bringing to the room for six hours, potentially. But if you're a person who's very professional, who wants your clients to feel calm and relaxed and excited for their big day, and really understands and listens to their needs, then all the other vendors are gonna walk in and notice a difference. That, wow, this is the calmest bridal party I've ever met. So, tell me about your creative process. You have canvases, in a sense. You also have um, live movement happening, meaning you have an entire production going on uh, when you are the one who is setting everything up for this day, for this wedding day. So, so tell me about your creative process even before you get to the space. Well, I suppose it depends on the job that I'm working because if we're speaking to weddings specifically, it's not to say that there isn't a creative process, but when you are doing a consultation with your client, it's important that you are listening to their concerns, listening to their needs and looking at photos with them that they chose as inspiration, and then bringing your own twist to it or creativity to whatever they're requesting. So over the years, I would say that there has been a, ooh, how do I even say this? So the creative aspect of doing weddings over time has kind of like, I feel like is almost like not there anymore huh. um, because you're trying to please a client. Now, when you're working on a photo shoot and there's a team of artistic people coming together for maybe there's a theme or there's a mood board or you know something that the person uh, putting together the shoot created and you're following that, there's still a lot of wiggle room for your own creativity to come out. 
So they're very different in the sense that when you're working on a model, they don't have a say on what their hair and makeup's gonna look like. You can truly experiment and have full creative um, freedom yes. over what, what, they're, what look they're gonna get. With a bride, very rarely does a bride say, do whatever you want, I trust you. And when she does say that, I always look at her and, and tell her, well, you are the expert in yourself and I don't know you yet. So I wanna get to know what your preferences are and then I'll do my thing. So it's kind of a collaboration with your client to ensure that they feel the most comfortable and like themselves or not like themselves, I guess, too, hmm. if they want a look that is completely different than their norm. But um, yeah, so it's kind of hard to explain the creative process involved without actually being the hair and makeup artist working in a, on a consultation with a client. You know, I wanted to, when, when I asked about your creative process, I realized that there are parallels to, you know, preparing for any type of creativity. And, you know, part of it is, is doing that research and knowing where you will be creating. So tell me a little bit about that for you when you are deciding or when you know that you're doing one particular job versus another. Well, I will say this first, that social media has been a huge blessing as well as a curse <laughs> for creatives because there's so much content available. And now, you know, I remember when I was doing weddings even just six years ago, um, when I was just kind of like dabbling in it, starting out and like trying to see if I could make it a career, I'd have clients who didn't bring me any photos and because there wasn't photos except maybe like really outdated photos on Google. Uh. And so they would just be truly be like, yeah, do do whatever you think. And, and I'd ask them some questions here and there, but I really felt like I got to create. Yeah. And they were just excited to have a really neat updo or, or even a downdo because they hadn't seen anything maybe like that in the past because there wasn't these visuals of it in our face all the time on Instagram or Pinterest or even Facebook and stuff. So now that the content is so readily available, not just to us as stylists, but to the client, the creative process is very different now for me than it was even just five or six years ago. In a sense, you kind of feel like because of trends, because of what's become popular, you almost feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But the thing I have to remind myself is that it's new to the client, even if it's not new to me. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 the, idea, it's the same idea behind, um, you know, doing something, doing a play, which is this is, this play is happening right now for the only time ever in this particular moment. So even if you've done the play 10, 15, 20, 100 times, is getting yourself in that mind state to, um, you know, pay the same attention to every line. So mistakes, um, <laughs> how have mistakes or um, mishaps contributed to your success um, in your business? I think that's a great question. The word mistake is okay. I, luckily, okay. <laughs> luckily, I would say the majority of the quote unquote mistakes that I've experienced and I still experience mistakes because yes. it's a it's a constantly changing industry um, that you, ha you have to be very flexible and willing to to change with it but especially in the beginning 
I would say I had a lot of women in my life who were also hair and makeup artists, but we were all kind of figuring it out yeah. at the same time and kind of defining what it looked like to be a wedding hair and makeup artist. Because like I said before, there really wasn't, there weren't a lot to really go off of and, and um, model your business after. So in the beginning, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do your hair on your wedding day. And I took it seriously, but I didn't have a contract. I didn't take a deposit. I didn't think I needed one because I trusted myself that I was gonna show up until I had a client who said, okay, great, I'd love to book you. Send me over the contract and info for the deposit and I'll mail it over to you. And I went, sure, no problem. <laughs> so then I went on Google and I researched how to put together a contract and specifically for weddings and sent it over to her. And I never once said, well, I don't have a contract. I just started doing a contract because I had a client who requested it. So I would say that the, they weren't actual mistakes yes, per se, yes. but they were moments that said, all right, time to start implementing this. Or maybe uh, a better example to kind of really speak to the whole mistake idea was a client who wanted to book me for her wedding. And initially I thought that there was gonna be maybe like six bridesmaids or you know a bigger bridal party that I'd be working on. And then a couple weeks before the wedding, I get in touch with my client and she informs me that it's just gonna be her now and there's only one service. Well, my mistake for not requiring a minimum booking amount. Um, my mistake for not having a contract that stated that if you committed to these services, you have to maintain them, even if they aren't gonna happen anymore, you still have to pay me for it. So the client, I would say that in, in general, the majority of the mistakes that I've learned from, yes. the client never knew that the mistake had happened, but I did. I took those opportunities to grow my business, to evolve my business and to make it better and better. Um, I want to go back to something you mentioned about social media. And I want to ask you, you began to, you started to talk about this, but how has social media affected your business? Um, and what are the strengths, what are the things, and you, you talked about this a little bit, what do you gain by social media and what do you lose by social media, specifically in what it is that you do? I would say that social media has played a huge role in my business, but also in just the opportunities that have presented themselves over the years. For example, I'm going to be going to New York soon, and it was all because of social media, huh. because of Instagram, because of the exposure that you can give yourself over the entire world. It's not just in your area where you're paying for a little slot on a website to advertise now. I've collaborated with a person who does beautiful hair accessories. She lives in the Netherlands. Wow. And we found each other on social media, never would have known who she is. So those types of opportunities are just, they still blow my mind years later. But also with, with clients being able to find their vendors, now I have clients who have been following me on Instagram for years. So when it's their turn to get married, I've had people reach out to me saying, I've been following your work for a couple of years and now it's finally my turn, I'm so wow. excited. So those are the little things that happen that kind of get me excited again about doing work because because it's it's just amazing to me what social media can do. Um, so then there's there's kind of a lot of pressure that comes with it too, especially if you're a person who doesn't have a lot of followers. Sometimes clients think that you're not good enough, even though you might be one of the best hair colorists or hairstylists or makeup artists, but you might only have a thousand followers. 
and they're going to potentially hire someone who has 500,000 followers because of that number. That would, I would say, would be like the negative to it is that so our society puts so much weight on a number now. Yes. And that's, it's not always an accurate depiction of someone's true abilities. Can you tell us specifically what's taking to, you to New York and how social media played a, played a role? Sure. So the opportunity that's happening in New York is um, there's a magazine called Modern Salon Magazine. Um, they're putting together a, an artist collective where they chose 16 people who eight of them do hair in the salon and eight of them are stylists like myself um, who you know do formal styling and all that or really cool braids or stuff like that so they invited us to come and they're pairing us up so i'm got paired up with a colorist and we're going to do a makeover on a model so the colorist is going to do a color makeover wow. and then i get to do the finished look that's going to be shot for the magazine and featured in there and then um, it's a two-day deal so the first day, we're actually doing peer-to-peer -peer education where we're sharing some of our tips and tricks for what we're wow. known for to each other. And I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here, but one of the things that I was hesitant about um, in terms of kind of getting into the hair industry was back in the day, there was so much competitiveness amongst stylists, uh -huh. especially even within your own salon. Like you didn't share formulas. You didn't talk about any of that. Um, and it was very hush-hush now, especially with going to, also going back to the social media idea. Yeah. Education and freelance education has become so common that people have realized it's okay to share your secrets because you are the expert in your tips and tricks and secrets that you have. And by sharing with someone else, they get to try something new and, and spark their creativeness again. And they get to share what they're good at that you're maybe not good at. And so it's, um, social media has been really great for the educational aspect of the industry as well. Wow, that sounds like a really cool event, like this idea of going and being able to collaborate with, with a peer and create something new. Uh, and, and the idea of the competitiveness being mitigated somewhat by social media is, is something I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought would be the case. Now, let's get into the creator's state of mind. In each episode, we ask our guests to share what's been on their minds, something they can't stop thinking about, a new challenge they're facing, or what's inspired them into action recently. We call it the creator state of mind. I just started filming really high quality hair tutorials with a friend of mine. Um, her name's Erica. She's the owner of 1011 Makeup. And our, she loves teaching as well. And, and we decided to collaborate to bring, mine and her styles are very different. And so we're bringing two uh, styles to the table to be able to teach people how to do hair. Because I've gotten to go all over the United States to teach. I've even gone to Canada to wow. teach classes um, because of social media. Wow. And so <laughs> the, but what I've learned is that although those classes are really great and they can um, inspire the stylists who are attending, it's really difficult to sit there for four hours or five hours and like really grasp all of the techniques and the information all at once. You're condensing in this, all this information and it's just overwhelming. So by creating videos and allowing people to view them beyond YouTube, 
um, it's more of an educational website that people can pay uh, for and have access to these more educational, longer videos. And they can basically pace themselves and see what they want to learn and pick and choose. So that's a project that I'm working on right now that I'm so excited about, <laughs> if you can't tell. And then also, so a conver I've been having these conversations over the last year with my same friend who yes. I'm doing these, these videos with. And we both got into the wedding industry for the same reason. We love seeing a woman look in the mirror and really actually believe that she's beautiful for the first time. Over the years, I feel like that has kind of shifted into becoming a true business. And it's hard to sort of blend the two when you're trying to make a living doing what you love. Right. And I've always preached that you need to protect your passion. And although my passion is to do hair and makeup, part of my passion is to help women realize their natural beauty. Um, and so, as that kind of has shifted into it becoming more of a job, my goal is to, and what's been on my mind a lot lately, is to be able to come full circle and actually do weddings for free again. I used to do them for free when I was first wow. starting out. Like, I mean, I'm talking years ago, or I did them for like 20 bucks or yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, not to say that I wanna be you know, slaving away and doing 50 weddings a year for free. That's not yeah, at all what yeah, I'm yeah. trying to say. But to be able to bless someone whose love story I've fallen in love with um, and wow. really investing in why they're choosing to get married, because to me, marriage is a big deal. And so I have kind of fallen away from like investing in that part of the day. And in order to be able to do, I don't even want to call it a charitable, charitable act, but to, to be able to do something for free, you have to be making money somewhere yes, else. Yes. So I'm hoping that through the educational portion, which we're actually planning on um, also taking a portion of those proceeds to put into a scholarship fund for someone to send them to cosmetology school, which that will probably happen years from now. It's not going to be an immediate thing, but we have a lot of things where we're wanting to give back to our industry and be able to help other people on the stylist side of it to send someone to school, but also on the client side of it to just really um, take it back to our roots and, and why we, we started in the first place. That is very cool. Um, so something else that, that has been uh, a newly found passion of mine is, is health coaching. So um, it's through a company. Um, we actually prefer not to brand ourselves, which might sound weird, ah. um, but part of it is because we, we believe in um, speaking to each person individually and finding out their needs and understanding their why before we give them the how. So can you, can you before you move forward, can you define what health coaching means to you from, yes. from your point of view? Sure, so the food plan um, that I'm, helping people and coaching people through, I actually did myself. So a friend of mine, who is also a makeup artist, um, I saw her posting on Instagram, on her social media, <laughs> about her weight loss, about her health, healthy journey, about um, you know being able to lose weight pretty quickly, but more than that, it wasn't a diet. It was a lifestyle change for her. Um, and it was a health change for her because she had gut issues and all kinds of things. And so by doing this, this food plan, it completely transformed her life and her perspective on, on food and kind of the role it plays in, in your life. And then, you know, I'm sitting there kind of creeping, just watching. And that's what most people do. They, they just sit and watch and then they realize like, oh my gosh, I need that. So then I started seeing her post clients. 
And I'm like, okay, what is, what, she's a health coach? Like, no, she's a makeup artist. Like, what is, what? And so I finally reached out to her and I'm like, listen, I, over the years, after not being active anymore, because I don't have a soccer coach to tell me when I need to go and work out and what I need to do, uh, it's been really difficult for me to maintain a healthy lifestyle because it kind of got put on the back burner as I've been nurturing my business. And um, so she shared with me the plan and how it works, how it's changed her life. And she's like, you would really be an awesome health coach because what we do is beyond just, it's not a weight loss program. It's we help people change their lives. So I'm like, I'm in, that's great. I trust you. I've known you for years. And if you are all into this, like I want to be there with you. Um, So that's actually, I'm hoping to be able to transition not completely out of doing weddings. I would like to take a mini sabbatical from them um, to be able to do them for people, less people with it um, once in a while, but really to focus on the health coaching part. So um, we're just people's guides. We're introducing them to a new way of living um, in order for them to develop healthy habits. Very cool, very cool. It is always a valuable learning opportunity to take time to reflect. At the end of each interview, we like to ask our guests this. In hindsight, what is something you wish you would have known when you were starting out? There was something that I did learn early on that every single time I look back to that moment, I wish other people would be able to truly not just believe it, but live it. So I used to be a really fearful person, not like uh, high anxiety, like to the point where I, you know, locked myself in my bedroom kind of thing. But before, I almost didn't go to college because I was scared. I almost didn't play soccer in college because I was very scared. I remember sitting, I used to cry before like new school years in like third grade and even going into high school, like it just always scared me because it was a change, it was new. I had to learn new things, um, meet new people and all that stuff. So um, I had no idea that starting the career path that I was going to be starting, I'd be meeting new people all the time. Like literally, I always joke and say that a trial run for a bride is like me going on a blind date with her because wow. I've never met her. We've only communicated through email and, you know, you meet up. So it's really allowed me to kind of develop uh, beyond the, the fears that I used to have. And one of my favorite quotes is, the only thing that gets smaller as you run toward it is fear. Wow. And... In the very beginning of my career, um, I realized that I had to go out on a limb. I had to put myself out there in order to have, to to experience the fruit of my labor. Because if you're just doing hair in in your bathroom at your house on your friends, you're never going to experience the great big world that is there. And so the thing that I learned early on that I I see people also uh, kind of when they're stuck, it's because they're afraid. And um, there are times where I, I still am nervous, I'm scared. I don't want to do something because it's going to stretch me. But because of all of the amazing things that have come after stepping into a situation that initially would have scared me, but I grew from it, I've, I now know that if I'm afraid of it, I need to do it. So I encourage everyone to also do the same. No matter if you're year one into your business or your career or your school, or year 10, doesn't matter, because we all have our, our fears and insecurities that we um, won't grow until we, we attack them. Wow. Um, thank you so much for being our guest. 
on this episode of The Creator State. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Join us for our next episode when we sit down with tech entrepreneur Kevin Marcus to talk about taking risks and getting out of your comfort zone to achieve success. Thanks for listening. Find behind-the-scenes video and more information about our guests at creatorstate.com. Write us at creatorstate at ucr.edu or find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Creator State. There's a team creating this podcast, Help us out by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. And while you're there, leave us a review. Our producer for the show is Jennifer Merritt, with video, audio, and editing by Christy Zwicky, Christina Rodriguez, David Silos, Chan Moon, and Rosemarie Kwong. Digital strategy by Kelly McGrail, and design by Chrissy Danforth, Denise Wolf, Brad Rowe, and creative director Luis Sanz. This show is brought to you by the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Rekurvy Hines. Thank you for joining us in the Creator State.